This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Mint Mobile and by Honey. Well, it finally happened, guys. We were just, just recently talking about how South Korea's next president won his election in part through the use of deep fake technology, which his PR team used to have him issue all sorts of official statements and clapbacks official statements. that weren't actually him. Yeah. And now this week, we're finally seeing deepfakes deployed as a tool for political disinformation in the war in Ukraine. And whoever's behind this, whoever they might be. We're still looking for who this could be. Uh, they didn't actually, they didn't really do a good job at it, but yeah. it's uh, it's still a pretty frightening taste of what will likely become more and more of a weapon in information warfare. What you're looking at right now is Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky giving a speech that has been translated as the following. Dear Ukrainians, dear defenders, being president was not so easy. I have to make difficult decisions. At first, I decided to return Donbass. It's time to look in the eye. It didn't work out. It only got worse, much worse. There is no more tomorrow, at least in me. And now I decide to say goodbye to you. I advise you to lay down your arms and return to your families. You should not die in this war. I advise you to live, and I'm going to do the same. So, wow. Holy shit, Zelensky has just given up and he's urging his fellow Ukrainians to join him in surrendering. This is completely out of character for him. Wow. Yeah. He gave it a good shot, but guys, go home. This is the Ukrainian version of Ted Cruz leaving the country to avoid the winter chill. Uh, yeah, but except no, this is obviously a deep fake. Mm -hmm. And it's a, that's obvious, abundantly clear from all the video artifacts around Zelensky's head and the slightly different color contrast of his head and everything else in the shot. And also from the fact that no official statement from Zelensky's actual government confirms anything in this viral video. If you were going to find out about this, you wouldn't find out about it from a video going viral on Telegram, I'll tell you that. Yes. But to your average normie who maybe doesn't know that such technology exists and maybe doesn't have the best eyesight, it could come off as pretty convincing. And that's especially true when combined with a simultaneous hack of Ukrainian broadcaster Ukraine24, which hackers defaced to look like Ukraine was surrendering. Uh, here's Vice. A Ukrainian television news outlet claims that its live broadcast and website were hacked on Wednesday, with a Chiron falsely saying that Ukraine surrendered, Ukraine24 said in a Facebook post. Ukraine24 posted a warning on Facebook that its broadcast and website were hacked. Adding to the chaos is a deepfake video of President Zelensky appearing to tell Ukrainians to surrender that began to go viral online at the same time. Zelensky himself has since posted a video to say Ukraine will not surrender to Russia. Quote, the running line of the Ukraine24 TV channel and the Today website were hacked by enemy hackers and broadcast Zelensky's message about alleged capitulation. This is fake. Fake, the Ukrainian 24 post said. Fake. And, and, and like, yes, to people who are uh, online 24-7 and follow all this deepfake stuff, like, this is obvious. Like, yeah, it, there looks is a, like, it looks like one of those jib jabs. Like, he's, yes. he's going to start dancing. Um, he's going to sing the Victory Royale song. But when you do a coordinated attack on a, a news website and broadcast that people are using... Uh, in that country and put a video like that that is maybe on purpose made to look shitty so that when it's broadcast across TV, there's a a small portion of people that could probably believe it. Yeah, I mean, if they had managed to, like, somehow get this video with the Chiron being, like, we surrender just on loop on every channel in Ukraine for yeah. a long period of time, like, yeah, that would... Eventually believe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's unclear how many people, if any, were actually fooled by any of this. But 
Fortunately, the Ukrainian government seems to have anticipated this sort of thing and previously issued warnings about it, including a video released by Ukraine's defense intelligence agency explaining deepfakes and showing examples of it, and this Facebook post from the Ukrainian army two weeks ago, which says, imagine seeing Vladimir Zelensky on TV making a surrender statement. You see it, you hear it, so it's true. But this is not the truth. This is deepfake technology. This will not be a real video, but created through machine learning algorithms. Videos made through such technologies are almost impossible to distinguish from the real ones. Be aware, this is a fake. His goal is to disorient, sow panic, disbelieve citizens, and incite our troops to retreat. Rest assured, Ukraine will not capitulate. Uh, still, as soon as deepfakes first appeared, the biggest fear has been this exact scenario. And it's finally happened, and it'll likely happen again. The next wars will be fought in the Uncanny Valley. And depending on how good the that gets... The deepest trenches of yeah, the Uncanny Valley. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing is, if if this was as good as the project that the South Park guys were working on for a while, that would have been believable. Like, And it's not very hard to get that good. It's it just honestly takes kind money. of surprising they didn't put more effort into it, because they, they could have. It seems like, look, I have no idea, but it seems like Russia is kind of reactionary on a lot of all of this stuff that's happening. So it doesn't seem like this was very planned out. It was just like, uh, can someone whip together a deep fake? Maybe they lost all their all their software licenses for all the good stuff. That could be true. Yes. <laughs> Adobe, please keep yeah. the sanctions going. I gotta use fucking GIMP. This thing sucks. Well, knowing knowing uh, Adobe, it's the fact that it crashed every time they tried to export <laughs> it. So like Adobe actually sucking as a platform is beneficial in this scenario. Yeah. Just put it on JibJab. Uh, it's software that actually works. Face that. Let's go. <laughs> So yes, this is terrifying, and even if it doesn't fool everyone, it's still demoralizing because it does plant seeds of doubt. Um, but speaking of demoralizing, we've been covering all the various products and brands and services that have pulled out of Russia since the start of the war, and at this point, the list of things Russians can't get is pretty staggering. Even the more inconsequential stuff like McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Vidya Games, and Adidas, it's got a sting for everyday Russians. And now you can add one more thing to the pile. Russians can no longer enjoy anime. Oh my god. They came for the games and I said nothing. They came for the anime. Because I was not a gamer. Because I was not a gamer. But I am a weeb. I am a giant weeaboo. Yeah. And this will not stand. Okay, so more specifically, the Crunchyroll streaming app, which is currently the undisputed one-stop shop for anime, uh, now that Sony merged Funimation into it, has been pulled from Russia, which isn't really surprising since it's owned by Sony, who already pulled stuff like PlayStation from Russia and and paused the release of the hotly anticipated Marvel movie, Morbius. The one that everyone's waiting for. And yes, Marvel movie is the correct way to promote it, Elliot. Even before this, it was uh, officially the most delayed movie in history. And now for Russia, it's even more delayed. I hope it gets thrown in a trash can. Yeah. I hope they never release it. <laughs> when I saw Batman, they played the trailer before it. And it was like, uh, you know, a Marvel legend finally comes to the screen. Or the tagline something like that. And you just heard someone in the back, Marvel legend? <laughs> and everyone laughed. Yeah. I mean, it That's is the, the theater experience I missed. It's the 99 cent store Marvel movie. But anyway, yeah. More recently, Sony went ahead and just halted all of its business in Russia, including upcoming home video releases like Spider-Man No Way Home. Spider-Man. But also Crunchyroll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, like we said last week with gaming pulling out of Russia, it's unclear what effects depriving Russia's weeaboos of their precious anime will have. It can go either way. I mean, the weebs might Naruto run into Ukraine now that their schedule just opened up, mm -hmm. which would be bad. Yeah. Or they Naruto run into Moscow and topple their government. 
Let's do that. Uh, seems unlikely, but hey, weebs without their anime, that's a sleeping giant that the world has never seen before. We don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. It's I, unprecedented. I Look, things are weird. Would it be so weird that the anime nerds of Russia overthrew their government? Stranger things have happened. Also, well, it, it, the, We need to get the furries on this. You know who's feeling real smug right now? The guy that continued to pay exorbitant prices to import his uh, anime via physical media from yeah. Japan. Yeah. Oh, you laughed at me. You said, ha ha, I can watch all that on Crunchyroll for a very low monthly rate. Why are you still importing DVDs and getting price gouged by these Japanese distributors? Well, who's laughing now? Or he, uh, you know, opens the door to his basement. Light doesn't work. I'll just try to walk down the stairs anyway. Tumbles, falls, crushes his glasses, and the room that he has filled with manga over the years. There was time. There was time. No! I, no! Ordered, I ordered all these manga books for just such a situation. When they, ba I knew they were coming for anime. But no, I think that we need to get the furries on this because... There has to be some kind of textile sanction or or something that stops mm. the, uh, the the acquisition of the materials needed to craft beautiful furry masks and bodysuits. Um, yeah. And once once that happens, once there's one tear in a fanny of a furry suit and you can't repair it, they're gonna go feral. They're gonna actually go feral. Yeah, it's gonna be like animorphs. Uh huh. Yeah. They're going to become the animal. They will. Mm hmm. So I think that that's great. Anime weebs. And furries attacking and toppling the Russian government is something that I am putting into the universe. Could happen. Yeah. All joking aside, though, this war is very serious, and the consequences of it will negatively affect a lot of people. Beyond the people of Ukraine being killed and displaced, and the people of Russia experiencing the economic consequences of their president's actions. This is bad. Bad okay? for everyone. The fact that Russia is one of the world's top oil and gas exporters has, of course, driven up energy costs worldwide. Though, to be clear... U.S. energy companies are absolutely not in any trouble and are mostly just using this situation as an excuse to price gouge consumers. Oil went up. Prices went up. Oil prices went down. The prices are still up. It's so weird. It's like the game is rigged. It's almost like the game is rigged. And they're very upset that they didn't get a bunch of money for two years because of people not driving into work. The dealer always wins. Mm -hmm. But similar supply issues are also likely to arise out of the fact that Ukraine and Russia produce a lot of the world's food supply. And here's a Wired article published last week about that. Russia and Ukraine are Europe's breadbasket. The International Food Policy Research Institute estimates that their exports represent 12% of all the food calories traded in the world. The two countries account for almost 30% of global wheat exports, almost 20% of corn exports, and more than 80% of the world's supply of sunflower oil. Those exports are stalled for different reasons, in Ukraine by Russia's invasion and in Russia by global sanctions, but the net effect is the same. It's as if Iowa and Illinois, the heart of U.S. grain production, were ripped off the map. Early signs of that damage appeared this week. The first monthly assessment of world food crops published by the U.S. Department of Agriculture since the war began projected that Russian and Ukrainian wheat exports would fall by at least 7 million metric tons this year. Simultaneously, the Ukrainian cabinet voted to ban all wheat exports, along with shipments of oats, millet, buckwheat, and cattle, keeping their products at home for their own people's needs. And here's some more from that article. The crop crisis in Ukraine has several components. Goods that have already been harvested, last autumn's corn, for instance, can't be transported out of the country. Ports and shipping routes are closed down, and international trading companies have ceased operations for safety. Plus, while those crops sit in bins, destruction of the country's power grid takes out the temperature controls and ventilation that keep them from spoiling. 
This year's wheat, which will be ready in July, can't be harvested if there's no fuel for combines and no labor to run them. Farmers are struggling over whether to plant for next season, if they can even obtain seeds and fertilizer, which for which supplies look uncertain. Russia is the world's biggest exporter of fertilizers. It suspended shipments last week. Global food prices spiked to an all-time high before the war even began, thanks to the pressure that the COVID pandemic put on supply chains, and wheat prices are now at a 14-year peak. Analysts worry that the countries that buy the most wheat from Ukraine, predominantly in Africa and the Middle East, will have the hardest time paying as prices rise. So yeah, this, pro this war is probably going to create some degree of food shortage in uh, the poorer countries of the world, uh, the net importers. And uh, the article points out that the last time food prices were this high, 14 years ago, it caused unrest in multiple countries and was even one of the reasons behind the Arab Spring uprisings that took place, took place all across the Middle East and North Africa. So, interesting. Uh, on top of that, the United Nations program that distributes food aid to struggling countries gets most of its grain from Ukraine and Russia. So that's really bad news mm. for a lot of places in the world, even if for us the consequences are going to be relatively small. Those food prices are still up. There's a lot of cause and effect that uh, might not be uh, as apparent at yeah. first glance. And uh, yeah, all this is on top of the fact that one of the most terrifying results of climate change is the global food supply shrinking as crops struggle to survive in harsher conditions. This, so This is a perfect storm. Yeah. It's a bad storm. Yeah. Uh, but hey, at least there's uh, recently been some small but promising progress made in the field of vertical farming, which is one of the more popular potential solutions to our food, uh, future food problems. The idea behind vertical farming is that by growing food indoors in a space-efficient, controlled environment that's near population centers, you reduce the need for large, vulnerable farms and the huge transportation infrastructure that they require. Crops grow year-round and must much faster. Pests and diseases aren't an issue. And because planting zones are irrelevant in this kind of controlled environment, you can grow anything anywhere. On the flip side, though, it takes a lot of electricity to replace the sun and keep temperatures optimal. And vertical farming is still nowhere near cost-effective enough to compete with traditional farming. But progress is slowly being made. And a vertical farming company called Bowery recently made the pretty huge step of moving beyond leafy greens into fruit. Here's CNBC. Bowery will sell the strawberries for the first time as part of a limited release. But the berries, which taste the same during the peak of summer and depths of winter, are part of an ambitious effort to change how fruits and vegetables are grown and how Americans eat. Crops grown in vertical farms are typically stacked in rows from floor to ceiling in buildings near urban centers. That results in larger yields of fresher, higher quality produce delivered to city grocery stores a few days after it is picked. Vertical farming companies have used the tech-based approach to produce lettuce and herbs. Now they are looking to strawberries and other crops to win a larger share of grocers' shelves and consumers' stomachs. At first, the berries will be pricier than the average supermarket offering, but indoor farming companies hope to expand their output and use automation to harvest the berries, which could bring prices down. As for those prices, a pack of these strawberries currently costs $15 for a half a pound. Ooh! Which is insane for most people, though, to be fair, you are getting some very high-quality fruit. Uh, Bowery says prices will eventually go down as they scale their strawberry growing operations. And they also recently acquired a company that uses AI and robotics to make harvesting more efficient. They took our jobs. The robots. I mean, in this case, it's like literally using machine learning to be like, this is the exact optimal moment to like pick it, clip yeah. this fruit and uh, yeah. All, yeah, all sorts of stuff that, you know, would require a, a human sitting there just yeah, watching literally watching grass grow. Uh, there's also competition from other companies like Plenty that are getting into the strawberry game soon. Plenty is partnering with the berry company Driscoll's 
whose president, Soren Bjorn, told CNBC, Look at the last two years, the number of disruptions that we are all having to deal with in our daily lives. In the fresh produce industry, we are very, very dependent on the climate and the free movement of goods around the world. It turns out that some of those supply chains may have been a little bit more vulnerable than anybody thought. And it's not that difficult to imagine that things could get worse. Oh, it's it's hard to imagine that things could get worse, both Will with it? climate and uh, the free movement of goods and services? Not that hard, actually. Yeah, it's uh, something that's been on my mind constantly as an adult. And should probably be on everyone's mind. Everything just gets worse all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, that guy uh, also says that the Northeast, where this uh, a lot of these first strawberry operations are going, is an obvious choice for starting vertically grown berries uh, because there's high demand for berries in a very densely popped populated area that's also really far from where berries are actually grown. Mm-hmm. Uh, he points out that this has even more potential in places like the Middle East, where berries are imported from even farther away on fucking ships. We kind of take it for granted here in Southern California. You you really, you're just a stone's throw at any given moment from like the biggest fucking strawberry field you've ever seen. Yeah, I've gone strawberry picking uh, (laughs) personally. But uh, yeah, we take it for granted. Um, We supply 90% of the country's strawberries because of how ideal the climate here is for growing them. For now. And and Florida. We have the Strawberry Festival, Plant City, Florida. Yeah, the, the very bottom tip of Florida, also big, pretty big strawberry yeah. region. But other than that, yeah, the California coast. But yeah, climates change. So, uh, yeah, something to keep in mind. So yeah, vertical farming has a lot of potential if they can manage to scale up production, lower costs, and add more fruits and vegetables. And, uh, yeah, it's something that may become more and more necessary in the coming decades. So it's a good thing work is being done there now. Yeah. Uh, so that when it is uh, potentially a absolute necessity, we have, uh, we have the, you know, experience. I would love to see the energy consumption and return of value. Uh, not return of value because people are going to be like, well, it's worth way more. But uh, the energy consumption of a Bitcoin mining farm versus a vertical farming farm and just be oh, like, which do you think like, is more beneficial for society? society? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, whoa, where are I, our priorities? Yeah. It's a uh, sick, sad world we live in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we do have more news for you coming up. But first, this episode is sponsored by Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2022, why are you still paying insane amounts of money for wireless service every month? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans starting at just $15 a month. For people looking for extra savings this year, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. With Mint Mobile, choose the amount of monthly data that's right for you and stop paying for data that you never use. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash newsday. That is mintmobile.com slash newsday. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash newsday. And this episode is sponsored by Honey, the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. We all shop online. We've all seen that promo code field taunting us at checkout. But thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best ones that it finds to your cart. 
Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites. When you check out, the Honey button appears, and all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. Wait a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons it can find for that site, and if Honey finds a working coupon, you will watch the prices drop. I recently used it on uh, one of the big box home improvement store websites and got a little storage thing uh, from my home office and got a really decent price off of it and free shipping. You can never have too much storage. Yes. Can't put a price on storage. Yes, keeps things out of the way. You could trip and fall, break your glasses, and not be able to read manga if you don't have good That's storage. Right. That's right. Uh, so yeah, Honey doesn't just work on desktop anymore. It also works in your iPhone too, which is great for me. You just activate it on Safari on your phone and you save on the go. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting our show. We would never recommend something we don't use. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com newsday. That is joinhoney.com newsday. All right, back to the news now with a political debate that is currently raging in this country. And it's actually more of a matter of personal preference than something that is along party lines. Mm. Very interesting, very mm. rare. Mm. So this past Sunday, everyone in this country, except the residents of Arizona and Hawaii, awoke in horror to find that they had been robbed. What had been stolen from them was, however, sim simply something that they had received as a gift a few months prior. <laughs> An extra hour of the day. Mm -hmm. This is abusive. This relationship is abusive. You withhold, you give, you love bomb me. You, uh, you gaslight me. This is, uh, uh, look, <laughs> they, you call it stealing, I say giving, because I, I now get an extra hour at the end of the day. I'm not awake for the one that they had in the morning. Yeah, me neither. Do I care that a bunch of children are going to school in the dark? Fuck, Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck them kids. Yeah. <laughs> Go to school later. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Hey, wake, hey, getting you ready for the grind. Yeah, it is. I, I'm with you on that one. But the, yeah. the time change, especially the spring forward, still fucking sucks. I, I've actually, I didn't, I'd never previously struggled with it that much, but like this week, I've been falling asleep extremely late at night, oh, yeah, waking yeah, yeah. up extremely late in the morning, and it's, I, I don't like it. Well, I'm on a bad schedule anyway because of Lost Ark, but it has made it worse. Yeah. But yeah, daylight savings, it's an extremely divisive issue, but most people agree that moving clocks forward and back every year sucks. Just leave it somewhere. Yeah. I don't care where you put it. Just put it somewhere well, else. Well, it, it evens itself out naturally with the rotation of the sun. They need to put put us on the like the sundial, the half the half hour. Just split the difference. Oh, I don't know about just that. Just fuck up global time zones. Uh, yeah. So yeah, here in California, a majority of voters voted for a permanent daylight savings time all the way back in 2018. Uh, but that law has just been sitting, gathering dust in the U.S. Congress, waiting for approval. Like similar similar proposals from several other states. Uh, it's a very popular issue. I think we should, I think you know what would be beneficial for society? Doing away with time completely. Yes. Timekeeping? Who needs it? Time We're, is Western decadence. Keep everyone working at home. Just get rid of actual time. People will get around to things when they need to. Oh, you want to meet for lunch? You know when it is. Sun's up high. I'll see you at high noon. Exactly. Bring back the sundial. I'll, I'll meet you uh, 20, 20 breaths after the first <laughs> rooster uh what is the, what, the rooster? The rooster crows? Crows? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Anyways, this week, the U.S. Senate, who can almost never agree on anything, approved the Sunshine Protection Act, uh, the SPA Act, <laughs> which uh, would make daylight savings time permanent starting next year. They have even got us agreeing with Marco Rubio, who said, I know this is not the most important issue confronting America, but it's one of those issues where there's a lot of agreement. If we can get this passed, we don't have to do this stupidity anymore. Pardon the pun, but this is an idea whose time has come. 
<laughs> Thank you, Marco. Very cool. Yes. Uh, to be clear, what this law would do is lock in daylight savings time, the time we just switched to, as the permanent time, meaning more sunlight in the evenings and less sunlight in the mornings, which, while popular, definitely has its opponents. And the op-ed pages of every major outlet in the country immediately put their top naysayers on the case. <laughs> and I'm going to... Uh, um, as someone who wakes up at 5 o'clock in the morning every day like a freak, uh... I have some issues with that. Uh, it's two people that I uh, that I respect, but respectfully disagree with on this issue. Farmers and parents. I'm going to assume. Farmers, you are a farmer. You can start farming... Too dark out. Wh whatever time you want. Can't do it. Too dark out. Then sleep. Sleep more. Nah, then it feels like I'm lazy. You're on your own schedule. Nah. You're not beholden to the, the laws of man. You are a farmer. Look, you don't understand. i got to produce enough corn to, to make America happy to get my yeah. tax incentives. Even though we're just keeping it in silos, unused. Yeah, yeah. I need to produce exactly enough corn and not a single grain more. Oh, otherwise, I'm punished for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. What a... That's a... God. There's a lot of problems with food beyond the stuff we even have talked about. Yeah. And yeah, the whole... It's bad. Anyway, yeah. back to daylight savings time. To be fair... Critics of permanent daylight savings time, they do raise some valid points. Uh, one of the biggest being that the early risers will have to wake up in just complete darkness for a good chunk of the year. Parents don't like the idea of kids heading to school while it's still dark out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, more people commuting while it's dark out in the morning will mean more traffic, traffic accidents. But uh, look, here, I'm going to solve those for you real fast. Uh, how about schools just simply start later in the day? Why are we torturing children? I had to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning Same. to go to high school. It sucked. I was like... Barely awake for the first two classes. It when was you're, not good for learning. When you're a kid, you're already fucking miserable, and you got a lot more misery to come. Why are we forcing them up so early? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and for the traffic thing and the car accidents, it's like okay, avoiding car accidents in the morning is pointless if it just means more traffic accidents in the evening when people are driving home. Dare I say, less drunks on the road uh, if you just wait a little bit longer, or in the morning. I'm not saying there's not drunks on the road who've been out blasting all night, but uh, I think people uh, probably drive a little bit better in the morning. I don't know. I, I don't. No one's going to be happy with this, yeah. no matter how it goes, but I think the differences and stuff like that are going to be very marginal. Send kids to school later, and this would solve. The most complaints, I can assume, are parents who are like, because it, it would suck to like be like, yeah, go walk to the bus stop in but the But also, kids get out of school like two hours before their parents get off work, which is already just like a pretty big inconvenience for a lot of people. Like, if you're... Send, if, them, send them into school an hour later, and so it's they get off school closer to when uh, their parents get off work. And if we're using generalities of the archaic nine-to-five work scenario, these parents are getting up way too early themselves to get their yeah. kids ready. <laughs> yeah. Let Americans sleep in. Make America sleep again. Massive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Massive. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, this really just kind of just seemed to come down to whether someone is a morning person or an evening person. And uh, I, I guess we put ourselves in the evening person camp. You we are lucky to not really be constrained by, like, any sort of uh, permanent firm schedule on anything, so... I More after-school activities. I do it's, tend to uh, stay up pretty late watching movies, reading books, playing video games, wake up not too late. I feel lazy if I wake up too late, but I'll, I'll wake up when I wake up. Yeah. Yeah. Look, daylight coming up at 7.30 in the morning is fine. It doesn't need it to is. be 6.30. It is. Get one of those little lamps that uh, mimics the sun 
It, uh, I used to have one. It was great. Yeah, it's the same with the students over at Santa Barbara. Yeah, <laughs> just just mimic that. Do yeah, Charlie Munger uh, exonerated. You don't need the sun. <laughs> he has fixed daylight savings. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, but yeah, there's also some health concerns about people getting worse sleep at night because their uh, circadian rhythms are thrown off by too much sun too late in the day. But none of the health claims on either side of this issue have much factual basis because it's kind of hard to study this at such a large scale. Yeah. But there's also the fact that back in the 70s, President Nixon implemented a temporary permanent daylight savings time to offset an energy crisis. And while most of the public supported the idea initially, most people hated it as soon as the first <laughs> winter rolled around. And it also didn't do shit to reduce energy usage. Yeah. And we should be clear about the fact that where we live, the, the strawberry breadbasket of America, which is in the middle and south of our time zone, uh, makes none of this very consequential to us. We... We get a lot of daylight. It kind of works out for us either way. Yeah. Uh, we also live in one of the sunniest places in the country, so it's not like we're hurting for uh, vitamin D. Yeah. But for people up in the northern half of the country, especially who live on the western edge of their time zone, these time changes have a much more severe impact on your mornings and evenings. So we get it. But uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How about this? Look, pick, pick the other one. Just pick one. Pick one. Yeah. How about this? If the House of Representatives and the President do go ahead and sign this legislation into law, here's an idea that will make this work for everyone. We simply reduce the standard work week to 30 hours instead of 40, so everyone only works six hours a day and therefore has plenty of sun in both the morning and the evening. Boom. Problem solved. You're welcome. But those 30 hours, you get paid more. Yes, that too. Yeah. Or the same that you would make at 40. And you get free health care. Free health care. Free uh, dental. Uh, uh, 52 weeks of uh, maternity and paternity leave. That's right. You get a full year. That's right. The most important year. Two months of vacation. Because you're going to be up at 3 o'clock in the morning anyway. That's so right. Time doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, just as Marco Rubio pointed out back there, there are much bigger problems facing this country, like COVID, for example. What? I thought that was done. Uh, sure, things have improved dramatically since the massive spike in cases at the beginning of this year when 800,000 people a day were testing positive. But the current caseload is still slightly worse than it was two years ago at the start of the pandemic. We're definitely not in the clear, regardless of whether state and federal governments have completely given up on doing anything to prevent the next surge. And there very much could be another surge at some point. I mean, just look at China, uh, which is experiencing its first major COVID surge since the beginning of the pandemic, after successfully keeping cases low for two years. I mean, it sucks. But yeah, and it's because their uh, they're vaccine not effective against Omicron. Um, yeah, but look, cases up here, we have treatments now, Paxlovid, uh, uh, they're working on more, uh, vaccines if you, if you want to, uh, quadruple dip. They are, yeah, give me my fourth. <laughs> Load me up, doc. I'm, I'm here a, for a good time, not a long time. Yeah, I'm gonna get a tattoo for every vac shot, like, uh, like a fucking bomber in World War II. Yeah, little, yeah, I get little, the patches. Little patches, yeah. Yeah, you hear little chevrons? Um... But side note, we are all very numb to it at this point, but an insane amount of people have died from COVID in the last two years. It's startling. Official numbers put the global death toll at around 6 million people, but a recent study into excess mortality, which is, you know, how many more people died than usual, suggests that the true COVID death toll is actually closer to 18 million, or three times the official estimate. It's horrific. And assuming that it's on its way out and we should stop worrying about it, uh, does seem a little bit foolish. Seems like a trick, but that's 
pretty much exactly what the U.S. government seems to be doing. Uh, here's NPR. Especially for poor people. Oh, yes. This is, this, is oh, a, yes. this is a very bad thing for people who don't make enough to have good health insurance. And that's what makes it even worse. But pat, it makes it patently American. Yeah. This is such an American fucking decision. Uh, in other words, cruel. It's cruel. Yes, it's cruel to people. <laughs> Needlessly yeah. cruel. Here's, next, uh, here's NPR. Next week, the White House says it will start to wind down a COVID-19 program that pays to test, treat, and vaccinate people who don't have health insurance. It's one of several immediate impacts after Congress declined to add $22.5 billion in funding to a broad government spending bill passed last week. President Biden signed the bill into law on Tuesday, hailing it as a bipartisan achievement without mentioning the lack of COVID-19 funding. The White House said it will have to cut back shipments of monoclonal antibody treatments to states by 30% next week because of the funding snafu, and said the nation's supply of those treatments could run out as soon as May. The Biden administration is canceling plans to buy more of the treatment next week because of the lack of funding. The government also cannot buy more oral antiviral treatments like Paxlovid beyond the 20 million treatments already secured and needs to scale back planned purchases of preventative treatments for immunocompromised people, the White House said. Oh, so... Um, literally the most at-risk population, part of the population, is getting fucking screwed specifically by this. And also, oh, we can't find the money, but yeah, Ukraine, military yeah. spending, <laughs> Ukraine, fucking everything. This is so minuscule compared to the frivolous spending that we do yeah. as a country. It's, like, targeted it's, to be cruel. It is. The U.S. defense budget is, is like, any anytime anyone complains about anything in the U.S. budget... Let's just just point at that fucking thing. He's like, okay, maybe we don't need maybe one less F thirty five. How about that? This is like very specifically one of the times where I will unironically say, "Let's go, Brandon," because he had. This well, is this isn't really up to him though. This uh, this is Republicans in the Senate basically being we will they're they're putting their foot down. But do, but your foot down back like just yeah. have, to have any kind of spine to fight this. I mean, like, it is clearly it the. The, the optics are so terrible because it is so clearly targeted at, at, at poor and immunocompromised people, the people who rely on this the yeah. most. Are people without insurance going to keep on, like, ever getting tested or vaccinated, like, not knowing how much it's going to cost, not knowing if there's going to be a, a surprise bill showing up a few months later? No. It, especially because they are the people everyone was fucking banging pots and pans for. Thank you, frontline workers and everything. I, not saying that, that putting that into a like stereotypical box or anything like that, but that like those. If you look at the numbers of who was getting infected, it was people that were forced to go work in public places with a bunch of assholes who weren't wearing their masks. It's yeah, it's it fucking sucks. This is bad. This is so bad. It's not good. Uh, here's more from the article. And while officials say they do have enough vaccine doses available for immunocompromised people to get a fourth dose, if the rest of the population ends up needing an additional dose, they may not have the funds needed to meet the nation's needs. The gap in funding would be particularly severe if a vaccine-evading variant comes along and a new formulation is needed. The White House also said it will not be able to provide help to domestic manufacturers of at-home coronavirus tests beyond June, which it said will lead to diminished testing capacity. Research into next-generation COVID-19 vaccines will be curbed, and some surveillance for new variants will also be stopped, the White House said. The administration also will need to limit its push to help poorer countries vaccinate people. Seems like a giant recipe for uh, this shit to come back and just I knock hope, us on our ass. I hope as much me. as everyone that it's actually over, but 
data seems to uh, indicate that it is very much not. Well, it wasn't uh, over the last three times we thought it looked like it was over. So uh, yeah, I would that would that would indicate to me that. Um, but next time we won't know. Yeah. Which is uh, literally Trump's next plan. Next time from the data will be so flawed that we won't even see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to be clear, the big reason all this COVID stuff is losing its funding is because Re- Republicans in Congress want to see a full accounting of the roughly $6 trillion that has already been approved for COVID relief, which seems like a reasonable request. But right now, we're in a real bad position for a potential new variant surge. Imagine a new COVID surge, but without free testing or even enough tests to go around, without enough medication to treat severe cases. Sounds like 2020. Yes. Again. <laughs> it seems like a recipe for disaster. So. Hopefully, the people who've decided that COVID is over are, in fact, correct. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, uh, again, the putting budgets in perspective, it's like, who cares? Uh, we, we spend so much fucking money on military stuff that uh, this is all very insignificant. But also, it's like, they're mad about how expensive this is. And it's like, well, that's, the, that's, that's what happens when you outsource all your public services to private companies. You uh, A lot of money gets lost in the mix because of uh, just inefficiencies or just people just straight up scamming the system. Um, and that's what happens when you don't really have any sort of centralized healthcare system and you're just relying on a lot of companies, including, in this case, a lot of startups, to uh, do it for you. So, worth considering. Uh, it, it is very interesting. We, we got the tiniest, tiniest taste of what universal healthcare might look like in this very specific situation when it comes to uh, testing and treatment and vaccination for a disease. And uh, it it seems to have worked out pretty great. And they're just going to be like, all right, well, (laughs) that was cool. We're never doing that again. We're going to, just like with the gas shit, we're going to pay the price for that experiment as a society. Because we live in one. We do live in a society. This is... This feels like the... uh, like the beginning of the third act of a terrible horror movie. Yeah. Hey, we're all safe. Ah, everything will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I hope hopefully, it's over. Hopefully not. Yeah. I. I don't know. It's weird. In California, even here in comedy California, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm definitely still wearing mine when I go to the supermarket and whatnot. But barely anyone else is. And I'm like, well, you know what? Good for you. Let let that chin breathe. I but, go back uh, and forth. Because <laughs> I've been to Florida uh, a couple of times now, and it's kind of like thrust me over the edge of like feeling somewhat okay with it. I don't want to breathe any of you fucking little piggies' uh, <laughs> nasty breath. Yeah. I don't want it. Yeah. I've gotten used to not having it, and I'd like to continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, that's it for today's episode. If you haven't seen it already, we have an episode from earlier in this week talking about a uh, escape from Tarkov Twitch streamer who, who uh, escaped uh, from Ukraine. Well, still in Ukraine, but escaped from uh, uh, any conflict, uh, dangerous yeah. conflict so far. Uh, it's a it's a crazy story that involves his Twitch mods and Discord members uh, helping him escape. Um, and if you haven't seen it already, our deep fake coverage of the uh, South Korean election, which uh, the deep fake candidate won. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Another fingers crossed scenario. Uh, subscribe to the channel. See you April 1st in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And uh, we'll put links to that in the description below. Uh, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.